Today's on Seminary Podcast episode is brought to you by Church Community Builder. I love how these guys help church leaders make and grow disciples by providing software and coaching focused on improving operational effectiveness. Church Community Builder provides leaders like me with insights into engagement of our church community, helping us close the gaps that allow people to slip away unnoticed. Visit churchcommunitybuilder.com to learn more. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you decided to join us. Uh, You know, we try to every week have people on the show who we think are going to help you um, lead in a new way and kind of take your church to a next level. And I'm just so honored today. Uh, We really are privileged to have Kevin Peck from Austin Stone, a great leader, um, leading really a fantastic church. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. Folks that don't know, Austin Stone is a fantastic church in, of all places, Austin. Um, I think you have five campuses now around, uh, around, in and around Austin. Is that true? Yeah, we have, uh, actually, we have seven campuses at five locations. We uh, double tap a couple of locations so we get bang for our buck nice. on uh, facilities. Fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Austin Stone for folks that don't know uh, and about your role there? Yeah, you bet. We, we started about 15 years ago. It's a church plan. A guy named Matt Carter actually uh, took a church planning class at seminary. He was down in Houston and, and felt a call to plant churches. And at the time, Austin was one of those kind of random southern cities that still showed up on the list of most unreached cities in North America. Mm-hmm. And so him being kind of an entrepreneurial guy, he said, hey, if we're going to tackle this, let's go to the hard places. And so he, he, he headed down here with his family about 15 years ago. And about a year in, I came back to Austin because I'm from Austin. I'm actually a local Austinite. I was coming back to take care of my dad after my mom died. Um, I was in management consulting at the time and thought, hey, I'll help out with this young church plant since uh, I was a lost guy when I lived here in Austin and thought, man, I'd love to see the church flourish here in the city that I'm from. So uh, just asked him to help out for a couple of years. <clears throat> the price was right. I was free. So he said yes. And um, uh 14 years later, I'm still here. So uh, <laughs> enjoying, enjoying leading uh, and serving the city of Austin by, um, by not only planting the Austin Stone, but also hopefully um, generating more leaders and more gospel workers for our city and around the globe. Uh, my particular role kind of developed over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Matt and I continue to work together for the last 14 years, we just saw that we had a good complementary set of gifts. And uh, Matt loves to preach and therefore leads, and I love to lead and therefore preach. And we thought, hey, we trust each other, like each other, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. And so just about seven years ago, I, um, I kind of took on the role of, of lead pastor, and he became pastor of preaching. And we kind of split that traditional role of senior pastor uh, so that we uh, more form our campus. Because one of the things we love to do here at our church is just demonstrate the plurality of leadership that we see really explicitly in Scripture. And so... Um, that started with us too, and now it's grown to a much larger team where we love to share leadership so that um, God's church can keep going forward regardless of the human instruments that he uses. 
Fantastic. Well, you know, for folks that don't know, Austin Stone is one of those, uh, you know, fastest growing churches in the country. It's a fantastic, you guys are doing a great ministry in a lot of different ways. God's using you, um, you know, in some pretty amazing ways, but it's got to be hard to keep up with all that. You know, you've, uh, I love what you touched on there, the plurality of leaders. Um, you're modeling that at the very core of kind of the leadership structure, but that's really kind of dominoed down from what I see um, really throughout your entire, you know, organization. What is, what is kind of leadership development looking like for for you at Austin Stone these days, right? Yeah, you know, for us, leadership development became at at our heart kind of a core conviction, not one of those add-ons, not an extra program, not one of those things that we thought, hey, this would be a good idea. But <laughs> as long as we pull off worship services, we're still right. winning. It actually for us became a core theological concept for us, a core theological uh, motivation for us because we just realized really, really early on. Uh, that we're going to die at a hundred percent chance rate. Uh, we're going to go away. Uh, death uh, is coming uh, for us, and therefore multiplication, replication is going to be uh, not just an add-on, but a necessary part of us um, actually caring for our city um, in a way that actually sees us rightly as just creatures. And so that's become a must-do uh, part of our, our of our ministry structure. And so because of that, we kind of see leadership development at, at, you know, in three parts. We don't first aim at a program. We, we really aim at saying it started with a conviction, and then for us it developed in a culture, and then we start talking about the constructs mm-hmm. uh, that can help us develop leaders. And so for us, that, that really has been a good framework. And so we continue to enhance in our, in our congregation as new people come in this conviction for leadership development because convictions are going to cost you something. Mm. Uh, and those convictions, as we talk about them and as we as we build models for them, uh, it develops as part of the culture where it becomes abnormal not to do it. It would feel mm-hmm. wrong not to do it. Um, and then we keep tweaking the constructs because things are going to change. People are going to change. We're going to learn new stuff about how leaders are made, and then we can kind of change the constructs. And so for us, it starts at the very beginning with convictions. And so we're teaching on it all the time, um, not only on, on multiplication itself, but we're teaching on plurality of leadership. Um, on a regular basis, and we're teaching on God's global vision that God wants more than Austin, which just leads to a natural theology of we're going to have to multiply and not just add here in Austin. Yeah, I, I love that. Why don't you lean in a little bit on the plurality of leadership? I think we live in a in a I don't know whether you call it a superhero time frame of of church leaders or a you know a kind of star obsessed like there's always the one guy or the one leader at the top that's making you know it all happen which just isn't biblical or true um kind of unpack that a little bit how do you explain the plurality of leadership to your people um, at austin stone yeah so for us i mean it really starts um at the very core with a, a couple of different things number one that God's desire and design for mankind is to um, demonstrate the image of God to the world, but he decided from the very beginning to do that through a plurality of people. And so when God makes mankind in his own image, he makes male and female. So from the very beginning, in order to demonstrate the image of God, God is adding more than one guy. Uh, If anyone could have pulled it off, it should have been Adam, but he doesn't do that. And so he does Adam and Eve. And then from that, you see throughout Scripture, even early as early as uh, as early as Moses, you see the Jethro principle of him trying to uh, forget that first message and do all the ministry on his own. And his father-in-law comes in with great advice and says, "What you're doing is not good." And there's a multiplication of leaders. 
And so for us, we're just kind of seeing that thread throughout the scripture. And for us, we're saying this has to happen from a very theological concept. And then secondly, um, and always secondly, we see it as just a real practical theology of humanity. Um, humanity is going to, ever since the fall, we're going to die. And if we care about the glory of God as the supreme thing for the church, um, then our glory, um, our fame, our, um, our, our, our being lifted up always becomes secondary, uh, at minimum secondary. And so, therefore, for us, we say, listen, what's best for the church is for people not to be um, hinged on our abilities, our talents, all, all sorts of the things that God's put really good stuff in us, but it should be hinged on um, this plural leadership so that if one leader either dies or gets sent across the seas or falls in ministry, all of those things God has already taken care of, taken care of by offering to us the wisdom and grace of plural leadership. And so we're constantly teaching our people, listen, uh, because of humanity, uh, we need plural leaderships. And because of God, we need plural leadership. And uh, our, our, our folks are embracing it because I think everyone... Um, in, at least in our day and age, while we like these gigantic heroes, we're also becoming more and more distrusting of them because humans keep being human at an alarm, <laughs> alarming regularity. So that's very true. Wow, that's that's very good. Now, the, the amazing thing is, I think there's a lot of church leaders um, who they would believe that, but have been unable to kind of operationalize that. Have been able to have been unable to build a culture. What have you done at Austin Stone to kind of take that? <laughs> and then transform that into a culture that actually values and is developing leaders. Matt, that's great. Thanks for asking that. Uh, well, a couple of things is, uh, first and foremost, we're going to model it in our leadership structures. Uh, and so we, we will always talk about, listen, we're not going to make major decisions without a team. Now, it doesn't always have to be the same team, and that's the real magic sauce, is there are lots of conversations happening every day. Um, that we want to happen in team, but if you if you narrow it down to a team that makes all the decisions, uh, then really what you're doing is not creating multiplication, you're just creating a bottleneck. Yeah. And so even at our elder team, we have one elder team in one sense, but at another sense, we have teams of teams. And so there's one set of elder teams who's, who's going to focus on legal and financial decisions. And crazy enough, I'm not on that, nor is Matt Carter on that, hmm. but rather we have to listen to those guys make decisions um, as a different team, they make strategic decisions. They're going to be forced to have plural leadership as they make a decision together about, okay, if I need resources and you have a vision, we're going to have to get together and talk. And so there's a modeling of it in the way that we make decisions, which really does trickle down to the whole organization. But secondly, in developing leaders, um, one, one of the biggest issues for us is not only to teach the culture um, and teach the convictions, but to actually have constructs. Mm. If you don't have the constructs, the ideas never actually move forward. And so to get real practical and tactical, we do a couple of things. Number one, we have a very clear, articulated leadership development pipeline at our church. Uh, there's not a secret pen that shows up on your pillow if you <laughs> enter into leadership development. It's not like getting into skull and bones at Yale or something like that. Uh, so if people want to become an elder, if they want to become a deacon, uh, we're not saying you're going to become one, but we're saying you can raise your hand and here's the course to get into it. Very cool. One of our constant lines to them is if you'll have the courage to raise your hand, we'll have the courage to tell you no if we don't see the calling. But we're not going to just uh, leave it as an unspoken, we'll let you know if we think you're great. Right. Uh, and so here's what we do is, is we have an articulated pipeline that says if you want to become a leader, sign up for this. There's an application process mm -hmm. that you go through. There's an interview process that you go through to get into our leadership development pipeline. 
And then from them, we have really carefully articulated uh, competencies, whether, uh, and these competencies kind of fall in three categories. Um, we have theological competencies because this is at the core a church that is going to disseminate God's word. And so it's not just skill-based competencies. There's some theological-based competencies. Second, there are skill-based competencies. There's some skills that you have to do to progress through different leadership layers. And then finally, uh, there's some character competencies. Because again, this is the primary qualifier, at least in Scripture, for what it takes to be a biblical leader. And so we're, gonna, we're basically going to just level out the competency map and say you're going to have to achieve these different benchmarks as you go forward. And so there's no secret how to get in. There's no secret how to progress. And then finally, we're always going to have what we call sending platforms. There's going to be an opportunity for people not only to get trained, but once they get trained to find leadership positions, whether they're in the church, in the world, or at other churches, we're, those are all wins for us. Um, but we have real specific ways that we're helping place our leaders in leadership positions. And sometimes leadership pipelines are just education pipelines because they don't have that final piece mm. Uh, that helps you find a place to lead. Um, and we're working really, really hard to make that happen. Hmm. Now, let's, uh, that, that's fascinating. There's a lot there. Thank you so much, uh, yep. you know, for that. On the very front end, people self-identifying. First of all, I, I, want, I don't want anyone to miss that. I love what you're saying there. It's got to be super clear, super obvious. There's not like the secret, you know, handshake. I love that. Because I think a lot of times in churches, we put, we add friction in areas we shouldn't. We make things more complex than we should. And I just love that. I think that's great. What about the conversation? problem of that the people who raise their hand aren't necessarily the people right you know aren't you disproportionately asking people the guys who necessarily are saying they want to be leaders aren't maybe the people you want uh, to, to be leaders how do you deal with that yeah and you know that just starts with I think some some good biblical discipleship conversations what I love about leadership development is it at its core is a subset of spiritual formation right so leadership development is not something different. It's a subset of it. And so right. even in the conversation of someone saying, I don't think you're called to lead at a higher level or a bigger group of people, we're still getting our job done and spiritually forming them. And so what we'll talk about with leadership is um, we feel like most people are going to be called to lead in some capacity. And it may or may not be in the capacity that you want, but in some. And so we get everyone to raise their hands and say, I'd like to start because at at the bare minimum, God has called every believer to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So at some level, you're called to lead at least a few other people. Yes. Uh, just biblically speaking. And so when you raise your hand, we're aiming in the first course for that. In that first section of your leadership development, we're saying, can you make disciples that make disciples? Now, after raising your hand for there, it's going to be a collaborative conversation whether we're going to learn the skills that are necessary to lead a group of 10. And then we're going to, we're going to have another collaborative conversation to say, do we think, do we cooperatively think that you should learn what it means to lead leaders of groups of 10? And then again, there's going to be this other benchmark time period, assessment period that say, do you need to move on to the next set of competencies that help you lead leaders of leaders of groups of 10, which is now resource management, resource allocation, whole different set of competencies. And in each way, there's a great discipleship conversation. So it's not even a loss when they're raising their hand for the next level, but the answer is no. It's still doing what the church is called to do, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Hmm. 
Fa fascinating. This has been a great conversation. Uh, what would you say the connection between Austin Stone's growth, your impact in the culture, your ability to impact and then connect, get people plugged in, discipled? Um, what is the connection between that that's happening and this leadership development kind of culture? You know that obviously has been driven deep in what you, in what you're doing. How are those two linked together? Yeah, I, you know, I think you know in our big failure ports uh, throughout throughout Austin Stone history, if you asked us where our big failure points were, we would be able to point back to a place where we ran out of leaders. Okay, right. Uh, where There was a place where there were still people who wanted to come to Christ because while we love plurality and we love uh, leadership development, we still have some incredibly gifted leaders at the helm. Mm -hmm. And what we're not saying is that really gifted men don't have enormous impact. They do. Mm -hmm. The problem is what do you do with that impact and what do you do with that fruit? And, and in so many places, you have incredibly gifted leaders that can attract the crowds, but they can't mobilize the crowds. They can't move the crowds because the crowds eventually won't have the skill. They won't have the experience and they won't have the character shaping or the theological robust development in order to kind of lead past the just, okay, I'm in. I'm in for Jesus. Now what? And so we would get to these places where crowds would gather, but then we couldn't mobilize those crowds into being able to be good disciple makers, good leaders. And so we couldn't multiply. We could just add. And that was the growth barriers. Growth barriers happen for us when you don't have enough leaders to multiply. You only have enough leaders to keep adding. Uh, and so for us, that, that, that has been for us when we feel a growth barrier. There is a possibility it's parking. Don't get me wrong. There's a possibility. <laughs> Um, it's it's seats, but what we're finding is if you have enough leaders, they'll go solve the parking problem. Yes. So yes. one of the constant constant uh, what we call is those 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 uh, those kind of plumb lines for us is every problem is a leadership problem at the end of the day. Mm, because so if that problem it could have got solved if you had a leader to solve it. Absolutely. That's that's fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. There's a lot here. You know, you feel like when you're just taking a step in, you're like, gosh, there's so much there. I wish I could could dive in. Now, what I understand is um, you've teamed up with Eric Geiger, Lifeway Resources. You're releasing a great uh, book called Design to Lead. It comes out September 1st. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm hoping people are leaning in. They're madly trying to take notes, but they probably want to dig a little bit deeper. Tell us why did you write the book and what are you hoping, um, you know, church leaders will benefit from reading it? Yeah, no, we wrote the book, I think, primarily because we saw this problem as a problem that everybody kind of gets the sense is an issue, but there's not a, a real robust or clear pathway to solve it. Uh, at, least, uh, at least in our experience, there's good resources out there for each kind of different aspect of it, but no one really puts it together in an easily to follow form. And so that's what we did. So the book kind of follows the, the three things that I just outlined. We spend the first third of the book talking about here's the convictions that are necessary for you to have a leadership development uh, happening in your church. Now, second third of the book is here's how to build a culture of leadership development. And then that third part of the book talks about here's how to build formal constructs for leadership development within the church because it all, for us, builds off of the conviction that God actually designed the church to develop leaders. And secondly, in a really intentional double entendre there, he, he designed men and women to lead. That's part of the Imago Dei uh, is if God is ultimately building a kingdom and is a kingdom and he made us in his image to be these these servant leaders, these servant kings across the world, that we're designed to lead in some sense. 
And so how can the church take a front row uh, seat in the, uh, in, the, in the goal to make leaders of mankind? So we think the church really ought to be at the forefront of developing leaders uh, for the benefit of God's church and the benefit of God's kingdom across the globe. So hopefully this resource will be um, helpful to people. And so that was our intention. Write it with the book. You'll always have to wait and see. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the show. Today, super excited to have Kevin Peck with us from Austin Stone Church. Just a great leader, um, fantastic church. You should be following him and uh, the church for sure. Um, what are some online resources that you're using these days that are helping you in your ministry? Well, a couple just from the real practical side. I'm an Evernote freak and a, and a wanderlust junkie. Uh, I use wanderlust really primarily to, to keep track of the things I need to get done. So email that is an action item goes straight there. And then Evernote is the place where I store things that I want to read and um, things that I want to curate for, for later resources. It causes me a lot of not having to start over from scratch whenever I'm developing content is just having good tags in my Evernote. Love that. From a content perspective, some of my favorite stuff out there in the world is uh, is Unseminary Podcast, one of my favorite out there in the whole wide world. Uh, now uh, i got to send you 20 bucks. Yeah. Man, that, that's gosh. <laughs> uh, and an angel got his wings. Uh, mm-hmm. And secondly, uh, Eamon, uh, I really love the Gospel Coalition website. Mm-hmm. The ERLC website right now has been really helpful for intersecting cultural issues in the world. I uh, love Desiring God, obviously, because, you know, it's it's Dr. Piper. Nice. Very cool. Um, what's a book you've read in the last six months that's had an impact on your thinking or ministry? Yeah, a really great book for me has been In Christ, Together in Him for the World by Steve Timmis and De La Hoy. Uh, both these guys have done tremendous work in basically just creating what I think is a uh, good biblical theology, theology of the term in Christ mm-hmm. and really, really practical implications, what it means for us as Christians to be in Christ on the church, on our mission, uh, on the way we interact with each other, how, how we interact with each other within the church. Really, really helpful um, stuff uh, for me and just understanding the power that God has um, put in the church and how it practically plays out in this wonderful and, and glorious doctrine called being in Christ. Very cool. Um, what's another ministry you're looking at that's inspiring you these days? People look at Austin Stone often are inspired by your ministry. Who, who are you looking at being inspired by? Yeah, without a doubt, Redeemer Dubai, uh, Dave Furman, and also uh, another great leader, Scott Zeller, there leading their their church multiplication efforts there. A church that is just um, greatly impacting the world because they sit at the crossroads of the East uh, in Dubai right now, and just watching God grow that church, and not only grow that church, but multiply that church, seeing church planters grow all over the world in places where churches just are not yet. A really incredible church. Amazing. Well, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, who would that be and why? Yeah, so right now, uh, answer would be Russell Moore. Uh, good friend, but can't seem to get enough time with him uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, and uh, planned that answer before uh, yes. Twitter and Donald Trump the other day. Yes. Uh, which just makes me want to talk to him more. Yeah, Ask, hey, what's hey, going on? Exactly. What's that like when you yes. get blown up by a presidential candidate? Yeah. Uh, I think he is tackling some of, I think, the most difficult issues in the whole wide world right now from an evangelical perspective. And he does it with grace and truth in a way that very, very few men can. Uh, so uh, would love to get more and more time with him because I think uh, the reason there's such a spotlight on him is because he is tackling issues right now in a way that I think is as as thoughtful as anybody else out there. Mm -hmm. 
Very cool. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. I know you've got a lot going on. Um, when you just want to kick back, relax, uh, you know, kind of have a little bit of fun, what do you do for fun these days? I coach kids' sport teams. Uh, I got three daughters, though, so it's a little bananas in my household. <laughs> Right now, we're playing competitive kickball, which I bet you didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that's a thing. <laughs> it's totally a thing, and trust me, it's a big deal. Uh, my daughters love it, and I love coaching it. It's a lot of fun, uh, nice. and uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, um, learn more about the book, um, you know, learn more about Austin Stone, how can they do that? Yeah, a great way is just following on Twitter. Uh, I picked the, the most uh, insanely dumb Twitter handle in the world because I didn't know Twitter was going to be a thing. Uh, it's underscore K Peck underscore. Nice. Uh, I lo love to, I, I keep that updated pretty pretty frequently throughout the week. Uh, also, feel free to hit us up at austinstone.org. Love to connect with you there. Great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate being on the show today. You are Rich. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>